You're not supposed to show up if you don't have an appointment. Um, they don't have an appointment. Um, they're going simply in search of favor. So we'll um, pray that the Lord will bring favor for Michelle and we'll help them along the lines. And so just pray with me briefly as we, as we pray. Lord, we, we lift up Michelle to you, this Starkland student, and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity that, that you give so many to go on mission. And Lord, there's a legal document that's needed called the passport that allows her to travel. And God, while um, things can get tied up in red tape and in, in government protocol and cues and things such as that, Lord, we know that in the heavens you are able to move in all things. And so we do pray for Michelle that you would give her favor with you, favor with the officials, and that as she and Leslie go there, that they'll be able to do what um, man says is not doable, and that is to process her passport so she can travel. Lord, we are asking this of you because you're a good God, and we trust in your, your plans and your purposes. And so, Lord, we ask that we would, you would do this for your glory, and that it would be a wonderful testimony of your faithfulness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two other things um, com- that are coming up on June the 8th. Um, ladies, this is for you. Um, there will be having a ladies' self-defense class. Selena Bador of Texas Black Belt Academy and um, alumni member of Cross Timber Baptist Church um, will be here to help um, you ladies um, learn some practical things about um, self-defense. Now, if you're wanting to invite someone, you can share it on Facebook. It's already there. But there also are some printed flyers back there that have some information, um, has the date of the event, um, it also has a little bit about um, Selena's credibility as, um, as a teacher. And then also it lets you know that nursery care will be provided. And we're just asking if you invite somebody, you know they have children, tell them just to be sure and call the church and let us know um, that they have a child, how many children and the ages in their first name, just so we can plan accordingly to have enough um, workers here to provide for that. So that's on June 8th. It's coming up very quickly. So please be... Um, Telling folks about that, we're looking forward to a great um, turnout for that. And then June 19th, Vacation Bible School starts. Um, There are also invite cards out there for Vacation Bible School. So if you're wanting to tell people in your neighborhood, let your family know, there's plenty of cards out there. Grab one. It has the dates and information. And also, if you are interested in helping or working in Vacation Bible School, there's a sign-up sheet on the table as you go out to the door on your right. You can see any other um, items in the bulletin, just... Um, please note the church office will be closed tomorrow um, in commemoration of Memorial Day, and we'll be back open for regular business on Tuesday. Um, before we read from Psalm 110, it's, it's always an exciting time um, when graduation season comes around. And, you know, whether it's finishing that 12 years of hard work to get through high school, or four years, or three, or five, or however many, um, to get through college. It's a, it's a wonderful um, accomplishment that's celebrated by both families and by the individual. And um, this morning, I um, just want to take opportunity to, um, to recognize two graduates, one from college and one from high school. And just since you're on the outside, Coray, um, Coray Qualls just recently graduated from Calvin University. And, and so um, we're thankful for that. And as we uh, look forward to what God has next, we just want to say congratulations and um, have a book and a journal for you just to um, to bless you and um, as you went out. And then the other is Matthew Qualls. Matthew just recently graduated from Centennial High School here in Berkeley. Come on up, Matthew. And so um, we're excited about that, and we look forward to see what God is, is going to do in your future and have a book for you along with a men's
devotional Bible. Yeah. And so we are very excited. I know your parents are proud, and we look forward to the days ahead as God refines in you his calling and shows you your place of service. I'd like us to read Psalm 110, and then our, our deacons are going to come and lead us in prayer, and we'll receive our offering. Um, in Psalm 110, David writes these words. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the whole wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Let's pray together. Gentlemen, will you come? Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning to worship you, Lord. We pray, as we do that, that you would speak to us through song, through your word, through prayers, and that we would have open hearts to hear your voice. Lord, right now, we thank you for what you've given to us, and we just want to give back to you portion of what you've given to us, Lord, and we thank you for using it to further your kingdom as we pray in your name. Amen. Wounded and forsaken, I was shattered by the Master's 
Would you stand and sing with us this morning? Every breath that I 
being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life in the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles the lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed psalm 103 1 through 6 Just 
Remember those walls we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. Because he came and he died and he rose. Those walls are rubble give you praise for all you have done, for all you are, for all you are doing, and all you will do. In Jesus' name.
Do you feel the world's broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark stops the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, 
your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 1 is where you can turn and we'll find your place there. We'll begin reading that in just a few moments. I, I did fail to mention earlier and I was quickly, um, I was reminded just right before I walked up that not only is today Memorial Day, today is also Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after resurrection, the day that we as the church celebrate the, the wonderful um, sermon that Peter preached, but most importantly, the, the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit that was the blessing of our inheritance that we have as sons and, and daughters of, of God. By faith in Jesus, we have the, the blessed presence of the Holy Spirit. No, oh, God, would you pour out your Spirit fresh and anew on us as your people and Use us as you would and bring about revival and change in our, our hearts. Let me just say that if God were to do like one one hundredth of what is going on in the nursery right now, energy-wise, um, He would radically transform every one of us. Um, I, I'm just I can't stop um, thinking about that. I'm so excited about that. But there is there's fun going on in there, and I'm. Um, and it's wonderful to see the energy and the excitement of children, which reminds me, I look down on my iPad and I have 11%. So if it goes out before we're done, we have two options. I'll either pray or I'll wing it. Um, you'll know when I get there, but hopefully, um, hopefully we'll, uh, we won't run into that. Um, 11% can last a long time. But I want us this morning to continue to look at the, the book of Hebrews. In fact, we're going to look at the completion of chapter 1. Last week we talked about how God communicates His great love and truth through the greatest messenger, His Son, Jesus. And we saw that Jesus 
is better than the prophets. Even though God had an important place and role for those prophets, that God spoke His final and most perfect word through His Son, Jesus. And this week, as we finish out the balance of the, the chapter, the, the simple you know, highlight is that the writer wants us to know Jesus is better than angels. Now, I know you might be thinking right now, why do we even need to talk about this? That's so basic, Rusty. Everybody would say that, you know, Jesus is better or greater than angels. Well, you know, there, there's a few reasons why we need to look at it. First of all, it's, it's in God's Word, and so it's important. Second, it helps us to understand the exalted place that Jesus has. And then thirdly, it reminds us that even though we're tempted to chase after lesser things, that Jesus is always superior to everything. He's always better. And in fact, this morning, if we can walk away with a better understanding of this, I think we'll be um, well served. That Because Jesus is better than angels, He alone deserves devotion, worship, and service. That because Jesus is better than angels, and not just angels, everything else, He alone deserves, He is worthy of devotion, worship, and service. So I'd like us to read the verses together, we'll pray, and we'll, we'll get started this morning. Verse 5 begins this way. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? You pray with me. Father, we pause this morning and we are thankful for the truth of your word. We're thankful that through the gift of the Holy Spirit that you enabled the writers of Scripture through the years to, to take down your words just as you intended. We thank you that now we have the gift of the Spirit that helps us to understand and interpret your word, that enables us to, to trust in you in faith and to walk with you day by day. And so with dependence on the Spirit, with faith in your word, we come to this time where we study your word and ask you to speak to us. Help us to see and to understand what you would have us to know. Speak to us through the Word, and by your Spirit, and may my words be pleasing in your sight. We ask these in the name of Jesus. Amen. So 
you go find an outline in your bulletin, and there's really five points that will help us move through the verses this morning. But I thought we'd talk just a little bit briefly at the beginning about angels. Now, angels are created spiritual beings. They're intelligent. They're able to make judgment decisions between right and wrong. God has a special place and a role for them. Other places in Scripture, they're referred to as the Holy Ones, the Sons of God, a little s, and by other names, the Heavenly Hosts. And they're part of the real yet unseen spiritual world that goes on around us, whether we are aware of it or whether we see it. And they exist to serve God and to bring glory to God and also to be His agents of care and ministry to individuals. And while we need to understand angels do exist, we need to be careful because Scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 2 that they're not to be worshipped. We shouldn't pray to them and we shouldn't seek them out. We should pray and direct our prayers toward Jesus. We should worship Jesus. And when He wants us to experience the ministry of an angel, we'll let Him send the angels. We don't go looking for angels. In fact, there's a particular danger with seeking out after angels because Scripture tells us that Satan himself disguises as an angel of light at times. And so, just because someone, something appears and appears to be an angel or proposes to be an angel, it doesn't mean that they are an angel. In fact, they are agents of spreading false doctrine. Galatians 1 tells us about that. You can think about the the Mormon religion, how Joseph Smith received a revelation from an angel named Moroni. Obviously not a true angel, but a false angel. And in the past, angels probably had more of of a value than they do in these days. The Jewish people had a high value of angels because they were according to tradition, the ones that delivered the law to Moses. In the Greek mind, they were seen as intermediaries between God and man, that God was spirit, man was matter, and for man to be able to reach God, they needed someone to to carry the messages back and forth, and they saw angels as part of that host that carried out that role. And the author wants us to understand this morning that angels have a role and purpose in our lives, but Jesus is better. And so he uses seven different quotations from the Old Testament. Each one is God speaking. And he piles these verses, one on top of another, to help convince the readers of the truth. Now it was common in that day, in fact, rabbis would teach during this time with that same method. They would use scripture upon scripture upon scripture. They would totally prove their point with Scripture to the point where the people would say, okay, I got it. You've shown me enough Scripture. Now here he just chooses the perfect number seven. He could have gone further to let us know that Jesus is greater than angels. In fact, here are the top reasons. And if you look them up as we go along, you may find they're worded a little bit different than in your Bible. The reason is the author is quoting from the Greek version of the Old Testament. If you're interested, it's called the Septuagint. It's kind of a funny-sounding word. Um, but basically, the, the quotations will look a little bit different because they're, they translate a little bit different from Greek to English. 
But we know each one was perfectly chosen by the Holy Spirit to make this point, this singular point, that Jesus is better. And so out of those seven quotations, we're going to draw five major themes hopefully that they're stated simply, helping us to understand this very important truth. So we're going to look at each one briefly, find out where they came from in the Scriptures, what do they point us toward, and how do they show us that Jesus is better than angels. And the first one is in verses 5 and 6, quotations from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, and 2 Samuel 7, verse 14. The writer wants us to understand that Jesus is God's Son. In fact, he begins there. To which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Now, this question has an implied answer. None. He didn't. Sonship was the unique relationship between God and Jesus, the father and the son. And because of his position, because of who he is, Jesus declare, or God declares that Jesus is his son. And these verses also help us to know that he's the only begotten son of God. Now, begotten doesn't mean he was created, because we we know Jesus always existed. However, the word does describe his uniqueness. There's no one else like Jesus. He's one of a kind. He's the one who is both God and both man, and he's God's one and only son. But he also needs us to understand that Jesus is the firstborn in the world. Now again, we have to think about when we think firstborn, we think oldest. But the word here, firstborn, has to do with priority or preeminence. Think about Jacob and Esau. You know, that birthright was stolen and the, the rights of the firstborn. So it's a, it's a place of position, not necessarily birth. And since Jesus was not created, he was always eternally existed. He is established as over and above everything in creation. So if you were to look at a, a flow chart of the universe or a, you know, an organizational chart, you could have God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit at the top. Everything else is underneath. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of a picture. And as God's Son, Jesus has the position of authority and he's given an inheritance, that he is the ruler over all things. Everything's below him. And while he rules over everything, angels are created to be servants. In fact, verses 6 and 7 give us that picture that angels serve and worship Jesus. Now these quotations, one comes from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43, and the other from Psalm 104, verse 4. And they help us to see the role that angels play in the world. In fact, verse 6 tells us, Let all God's angels worship Him, Jesus. And you see how masterfully that the writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes these Old Testament passages and applies each and every one of them to Jesus. So when it says, Let all angels worship Him, he's speaking about Jesus, the Son. And so God's angels are those that worship him. They were there at his birth, singing to the shepherds. They're there surrounding the throne in heaven, and they're created to worship. But they're also created to serve. Verse 7, they're 
both mentioned there's angels and there's ministers in the two verses just telling us that they're both one and the same now something that may seem strange to you it it mentions those two elements wind and fire it can be a reminder that you know angels are created like we would create you know when god created wind and fire i think it's also a reminder that they're spiritual not physical they are able to change experience change appearance they work in different roles as god encourages them the idea of wind can also help us to see that they are ready to serve they are swift in their actions when god says go they are ready and they're also a little bit secretive or elusive in their activity we don't really understand how they work we just know god has a plan for them like the wind and that flame could also represent god's holiness or or purity and so you can begin to see at this point that it's even it's silly to even imagine that angels could be equal to jesus because these angels are created by god for his purpose to to worship to serve and in every possible way you could compare angels are going to be lower or lesser than jesus and they are on the ready they're on call to do his will and they're prompt to respond and while angels serve and minister jesus is exalted and he's enthroned in the heavens and so verses 8 and 9 take the focus back toward Jesus. And you see the transition there. But of the Son, he says, and he tells us that Jesus is the righteous King. Verses 8 and 9. So begin to, to picture in your mind a coronation ceremony, a throne, a crown, a scepter. I didn't watch the, the coronation of King Charles, I'm, I'm not British, so I didn't feel I was obligated to do so. But I have to also admit I don't really watch inauguration speeches very often either. But you imagine the pomp and circumstance of that moment, the symbolism, the, the pageantry, all of the, the glory, you know, for this one man who was, you know, a man who is mortal. And then you think of the picture of the throne room of heaven and the enthronement of Jesus to his proper place as king. And there's several things that are really important for us to understand. And the first one is really rather shocking. God the Father refers to Jesus as God. It's right there in the verse. He says, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God. So of the Son, about Jesus, God the He says, your throne, O God. It's a clear indication or, or declaration that Jesus is divine. He's not a representative from God. He's not created by God, but He is God. And because of His place as God, He is the righteous King who rules over a never-ending kingdom. So I thought I'd encourage you, you know, on on a Sunday, a Monday, or any day of the week when you look around and you see things just seem to be in shambles, there's trouble, our country's, you know, in, in need of, of revival, our, our states, you know, in some stages of upheaval from time to time, but there is a throne in heaven that is forever and ever. Jesus reigns eternally. Now this psalm takes us back to a promise that God made to a king named David. 
that he would have a descendant on a descendant from his line would be on the throne forever. And we see that that's not fulfilled in a human king, but in a holy king, in a righteous king, Jesus, whose kingdom will never end. And in that never-ending kingdom, his rule is with a scepter that is upright, symbolizing that this righteous king always rules in righteousness. He makes good decisions. In fact, it says he loved righteousness and hated wickedness, that there's always the perfect moral judgment. So while leaders and politicians in our day face impeachment for their crooked dealings, Jesus rules over all things with an uncompromised integrity. He's above reproach. There's never any misconduct. And you could say that he is unimpeachable. And to signify that God has anointed him. It says, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. He's the anointed one, the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. In ancient days, kings and priests were both anointed with oil to signify the beginning of their ministry, to set them apart for the service that they were chosen for. And we think about that in life with Jesus. We think about his perfect obedience that walked the road that took him to the cross of Calvary, that he died, but God raised him up, and now he's seated at God's right hand. You may want to read some of Acts chapter 2 today. It's, it's great. It's not only a wonderful story of Pentecost, but it'll give you some, some setting for this, because Peter preaches, he talks about this exalted position of the Lord Jesus. But I found quote from Matthew Henry, which is a little bit dated since he was in the 1500s, to be a little bit helpful. But listen to what he says about this. Christ has the name Messiah from being his from being from his being anointed. God's anointing of Christ signifies two things: his qualifying qualifying him for the office of mediator with the Holy Spirit and all his graces, and likewise his inauguration into the office as prophet, priest, and king. Now, the reason I wanted you to read Acts chapter 2 is because in verse 33 of chapter 2, listen to these words, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured this out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So because of his exalted position at the right hand of God, and because he has received the promise of the Spirit, he's poured out this, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, into us. Andrew Murray says it this way, and I think this is a good word for this Pentecost Sunday. Christ our King, our anointed, is anointed with the oil of joy. Anointed, too, to give the oil of joy. So he's anointed with it, and he's anointed to give the oil of joy. His kingdom is one of everlasting gladness, of joy unspeakable, and full of glory. So for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, and he pours out willingly the oil of joy, the oil of gladness on those who are called by his name. And while he's the righteous, majestic Messiah King, angels are loyal subjects. 
But the writer keeps going. Not only is Jesus the righteous king, but in verses 10 through 12, we see that he's the eternal creator. Now, this is a long quote from Psalm 102, and it actually covers verses 25 through 27. Helping us to see that Jesus was both present and involved in creation. We touched on that last week, that Jesus was there when the world was made. In fact, he was God's agent of creation. And in this psalm, it helps us to see that both heaven and earth are his handiwork. He was involved in creating the heavens and the earth. It tells us in verse 10 that he laid the foundations of the earth. So he was there from the start, building the foundation of the earth. And then also, his, the heavens are the work of your hands. So he was involved in both heaven and earth. And he continues to help us to see that while those will perish, heaven and earth will fall away, Jesus is eternal and he's unchanging. You see that emphasized or underlined in verse 12, your years will have no end. So there it is, he's eternal. So the entire universe, like things in our refrigerator, have an expiration date. There's a day that only the Father knows when heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus will come, and he will make all things new. New heaven, new earth. But there's no expiration date with Jesus. There's no beginning date. He never changes. In verse 12 it says, you are the same. And while he's unchangeable, he is the one who brings about ultimate change. It says, all of our creation, all of everything in the world will wear out like our clothes. Don't you hate that? You have your favorite pair of jeans and they just don't last forever because you wear them so often and you wash them, you wear them and you wash them and they wear out. Clothes are going to wear out. Creation is going to wear out. Our bodies are going to wear out. And Jesus is going to roll them up and says they will be changed. And just like the old heaven and the old earth is going to disappear, they're going to be changed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so we see that Jesus is better than angels because he's the creator and they're a part of creation. But then verses 13 and 14, as he begins to wrap this up, he reminds us that Jesus is seated at the God's right hand. Now you may have noticed, and you probably did because y'all are, y'all are smart people, that in verse 5 he begins with, To which of the angels did God ever say? And here in verse 13 he says, And to which of the angels has he ever said? It's almost like brackets are parentheses to let you know that, that this is the thought. You know, everything in between these two matters. And the same answer here applies to the first question. Did he ever tell an angel, Hey, sit here at my right hand? No, none. To none of the angels. That place of ultimate authority and supremacy is reserved for only one person, and that's Jesus, his son. After he finished his work on the cross, he ascended to heaven and assumed that place of honor and power at the right hand of God. And he will minister from there, he'll reign from there until he returns when he's going to make everything new. And at that time, there'll be a final defeat of his enemies. Because it says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. See, we still have 
we have Satan who is a defeated foe. But that final defeat, that final defeat of sin, of death, hell, and the devil will come when Jesus returns and he makes everything new. And then in verse 14, it helps us to put the proper place, well, to show the proper place that angels and believers hold. And we'll walk through this in in just a second, but the verse says, angels are ministering spirits that minister to the heirs of salvation. Jesus is God's Son, and He inherits everything from the Father, and by faith in Him, we inherit salvation and all the blessings that come with it. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Just follow me with it. Psalm chapter 8, verse 5, gives us the picture that it says, God made man a little lower than the angels. So in the creative order, you know, angels have a, a higher standing in this, you know, in the, in the spiritual realm. Man's just a little bit lower. But we also find out in Scripture that God made salvation available only to men and women, human beings, not to, to angels. That's why it says those who are inherit salvation. In 1 Peter, Peter tells us that, that that wonder of salvation, angels long to look into these things. That while they are God's ministering agents, He has given them a front row seat to the wonder of salvation. And while they don't experience it, they see God's work of grace and salvation and they marvel at this wonderful gift and give glory to God. There's going to be a day when the redeemed believers, followers of Jesus, join together with the angels in in never-ending praise. And what a day that'll be. Let's sing. Glory to the name of Jesus. And why? Because the author underlines again, Jesus is better than angels. And because of that, he alone deserves devotion worship and service now again i want to say what i said at the beginning you know this morning you might not be struggling with the temptation to worship angels to follow or to look after angels though in some instances i think we all are guilty of giving them too much credit in their place in the world and so there is a good reminder in that that angels are created spiritual beings and god has given them an important purpose an important role And whether you believe in protective angels and guardian angels or angel ministry, while it's real and God uses them, Jesus is still better. And I was just thinking about how do I apply this? How do, what does this matter today? I was thinking about just that, the whole process of faith and how, and it may not be this way for you, but at least in my life, and I think it probably is common to you all, that that our faith in Jesus can be a little bit funny at times. There's a, there's a paradox that goes on in our life as we struggle. That what we, who we need most, Jesus, at the same time, we have difficulty and we struggle to trust Him. And even though we may have experienced the strength of His faithful hand in the past, we seem to doubt His willingness and His ability in the present. And we feel both the joy of obedient service and the grief of our own 
disobedience. And we know He's worthy of our worship, but so often we're drawn to lesser things and allow that to interfere with our life. And so I want to give you three things, three points of application, and then we're going to pray and we're going to be done. They all start with the letter U. The first is undivided devotion. If we truly believe that Jesus is better than everything, then he deserves undivided devotion, which means he gets all of our attention. Now, there's still going to be struggles. We're still going to battle this the rest of our days. But our strong purpose should be to give Jesus our undivided devotion, wholehearted commitment to Christ. So undivided devotion. And the question that kind of goes with that is if you do feel like you have a divided heart or a divided devotion, then figure out, okay, what am I putting up against Jesus and why am I choosing in this situation to think Jesus is better than, you know, that this is better than Jesus? Why am I thinking that my career is going to find me satisfaction and, and get me what I need when I can only find that in Jesus? Why do I think substances or, or alcohol are going to heal the pain in my heart when only Jesus can do that? Why do I long? Why do I turn to, um, you know, besetting sins or other things to try to find joy and comfort when that's only found in Jesus? Undivided devotion. The next is unending worship. You know, I think in some ways we should maybe even rename our church service, you know, and not call it a worship service. Because honestly, um, this gathering that we have on Sunday morning should just be a coming together of what should be happening every day of the week in our lives. That we are worshipers, created to worship God, who gather together on a Sunday morning to share worship together, which is something that we are doing regularly in our lives. Heaven is going to be a place of unending worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Angels, elders, saints gathered around the throne. And because Jesus is worthy and better, he deserves unending worship. And that worship is not just singing. It's not just praying. It's the attitude of our hearts. It's joyful service toward others. It's doing the things of life in His name that we would have unending worship. And then the last is unselfish service. We have created beings, angels that serve God. We have Jesus who is the ultimate example of a servant who served to the point of death. And because Jesus is better, we should be involved in unselfish service. Not expecting anything for return. Simply doing it because we know that God has done something incredible for us. Service costs time. may cost, you know, a little bit of convenience. But sometimes just very small acts that don't even cost 
any money can have an amazing impact in other people's lives. And so as we reflect on this, as we close, the fact that Jesus is better than angels and anything in the world, Lord, help us to have an undivided devotion for you and unending worship would be lifted up for you and that we would be those who would practice unselfish service for your glory. We pray with you? Oh Lord, we come to the end of this time together and we're, we're grateful for your willingness to speak and we're thankful that through the imperfectness of human words that you still speak by your perfect word of truth. And as we reflect on this truth that Jesus is better here specifically than angels, help us to see the position you have exalted him to. Help us to have an undivided loyalty. To join in unending praise. And to offer unselfish service to others in your name. We thank you, O Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to play some piano music softly as we reflect on these, and maybe it's it's one of those things that really just hit home, and, and you thought, you know, God, that's where I need to, to work right now. I need to focus on, you know, my devotion to you. Maybe it's the worship, or maybe it's service. Maybe there's a burden in your, your life or in your heart that, that you've kind of felt that, I can still kind of fix that. I can deal with that. And you're still trying to do it on your own, or you're looking to other means to meet. And maybe you just need to lay that before Jesus today and say, Jesus, I, I need your help. I can't handle this. Um, will you forgive me for trusting in my own power and my own abilities? And I want to trust in you. He's gracious. He's loving. He'll forgive you. He'll comfort you. may correct you, but he'll give you what you need. Or maybe today you've just decided above all in your heart, okay, Jesus is better than anything. And maybe you've never made that decision to put your trust in him or your faith in him. And maybe today's the day you're going to say, you know, forget everything else. I'm going to follow after Jesus. If that's you, I'd love to talk to you and pray with you. The front is open. You're welcome to pray there. You can stay where you are quietly. You can kneel. You can stand. But Jackie's going to play quietly while she plays.
before we we close today, I, I forgot at the announcement time that Sue wanted to say something um, about the nursery and our nursery workers. So um, now would be a great time to do it since I forgot earlier. <laughs> All right, now we're on. I just want to say I have been over the nursery for a year and a half, a little over, and there are only like a handful of times that people have not been able or forgot their their time to serve. And it is such a blessing. And there are times when I come out of my Sunday school room and people are checking the roster to see if it's their turn. It is such a blessing to have those kind of people working for us. And I am just so grateful. And I just want to say thankful to all, thank you to all of my people that work in the nursery. You are a gift, and I am so blessed. Um, and uh, we have Vacation Bible School, and I have been praying that the Lord would bring um, some young families to our church. And so if you are not plugged into a Sunday school class or if you're not on my nursery team and you've been a member at least six months, I would love to talk to you um, just because I'm anticipating God bringing a good number of young families and filling up our nursery and my Sunday school class and Miss Cindy's Sunday school class. And we are just, uh, it's, today is just such a blessing. So. Thank you so much to all those who have volunteered. Say amen to that. It's a wonderful blessing. Um, you know, a um, long time ago, Deborah and I learned, and we don't even know where we learned it. But you know, if you um, if you want to build if you want to build a if you want to build a youth ministry, you start with a nursery. If you want to build a children's ministry, you start with a nursery. Um, it starts at the the young age. And you, and you grow up from that position. And so I, I'm very thankful for the folks that volunteer, um, that, are, that are willing, for the students and for the adults that are there in the nursery. Um, your service um, does not go unnoticed. Um, you may be in there. You may be having fun playing with toys. And it, you may be ready for a nap um, afterwards. But we are thankful and we're glad for you to take care of our, our little ones. Um, it's been a joy worshiping with you this morning. It's good to see some of you wearing your... Your, your patriotic, um, your colors. We could almost have a parade of flags if we wanted to. Um, I would offer, but I know Chuck is willing, so I'm not going to. <laughs> but I do want to say thank you, and I hope that during this Memorial Day weekend that, that you're just reminded of not only the sacrifice that was made for our country, but the sacrifice Jesus made. I would ask you to join in standing. The worship team is going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song, and when we finish singing, um, you're dismissed. So have a great rest of your weekend. This is our God, this is who He is, He loves us. This is our God, this is what He does, He saves us. For the cross is great, let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. 
He bore the cross, he prayed. 